Hello and welcome to Scatter Liam vs. Evil. Today we take a trip to the Far East. Come with us. <laughs> to the most racist introduction of a podcast. Right, right, it's not, I don't, it's not against Chinese. I like the Chinese. I like the food. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Liam and tomorrow night I go on a stag do to Magaluf and I've been wearing an ab belt all day <laughs> to try and make myself have a good rock hard abs for the beach and I think I've dislodged like a kidney because I'm pissing like a racehorse. <laughs> I actually took all of it still in my bag. It's in my bag. It looks like a. <laughs> it looks like a gurtle. <laughs> so, just to try and get rock hard to have abs for the beach, but that's not working, so that's my day. Um, I'm Scott, and um, I guess I'd like to apologise for my, <laughs> my bad taste accent. <laughs> uh, today we're going to talk about two. Kung Fu, would they be known as Kung Fu Kung films? Kung Fu, um, Golden Harvest style movies, I think. That's uh, the ringy line, isn't it? Shogun Assassin from 1980 and Ricky O, the story of Ricky from 1991. What do you want to start with? Uh, I'll start with Shogun Assassin. Uh, it's banned in 1986 countries, or it's banned since 1986, I can't remember. Yeah, it probably should still be banned <laughs> for being shit. The tagline on the front of the DVD case is uh, He whips out his sword and relieves his victims of their head. <laughs> I mean, how can you not like that? I'll tell you, I'll explain why. Uh, do you want the synopsis for, or read the wee synopsis for this? Yeah, I've got the short synopsis. Yeah. Uh, long ago, there was a great samurai warrior who served his shogun honourably. The shogun, however, grew paranoid as he became more and more senile. The shogun sought to destroy all those who might stand to oppose his rule, and so he sent his ninja spies to the samurai's home. The ninjas failed to kill the samurai, but did kill his beloved wife. From then on, the samurai swore in his honour to seek out the shogun and avenge the death of his love. The samurai roams the countryside with his toddler son, taking on mercenary work for money until the final battle with the shogun's three masters of death. I learnt more from that than I have from that entire the, uh, the shogun's got mental problems, man. The whole, uh, I think you've got mental problems for making me watch this. <laughs> See, if I'd been the best samurai in the region, he's, he was a bit fat, wasn't he? He was really fat. Yeah. He wasn't that good a samurai either. <laughs> he, was, he was the best samurai. That's why he had to compete him. It's impossible to keep a body count in this movie. I tell you what he's not good at. Fucking <laughs> sayings. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Bad dreams are only dreams. Cheers, mate. But it's true, though, <laughs> isn't it? Helpful. <laughs> he's right, though. Ah, oh, he's fucking ridiculous. See what I thought um, when, when they started uh, travelling the roads, uh, when they said he's ready to go to walk the, the road of vengeance, I said, that's, you need to be committed to walk the road of vengeance, don't you? But he's only on there for a short time because then he uh, changes directions and he's walking on the road to hell after that. It's, that is so nonsense. The first uh, the first uh, samurais or ninjas that chase him, uh, they're wearing baskets in their heads. So, and I was like, I don't, I'm not sure this can be that practical. I think, have you seen Big Trouble in Little China? No. The three of them are the exact same as the three guys in Big Trouble in Little China. Like the big giant wicker hats that probably aren't made of wicker. But the big huge, mass, the three masters of death. I know, the, the, the big kind of stereotypical kind of pointy. I the big high. giant, giant ones, they're, like, they're bigger than anybody else's hat in the movie. Maybe it's a sign of status. And yeah. then see when the first one, so he's, he chops off the hat, the basket hat of the first person, and the second one runs behind him and jumps on his shoulders and jumps into the air and shouts ninja as he jumps. Like, I don't know if that's what they shout or if that's what it means, but. It makes you jump higher. No, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a Hidai Geki film, which is like a period drama, most often set during the Edo period in Japanese history from 1603 
1868. If there's one place I would like to be other than America, it would be Edo. Edo, Japan. Japan. Yeah. What, with this cunt writing about? Uh, well, I would be that cunt. This paedophile? He's not a pedo. We will go he's looking that. after his son. He's a pedophile. I didn't know it was his son, so all my notes about him being a pedophile. That is the main part. Why would he care about so much? I thought it was just a wee boy. <laughs> That's how I was wondering. Right, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know it was his son until I read that. Being in that area of Japan would be, would be pretty cool. Ancient Japan, I think, is very fascinating. And current Japan's probably really cool as well. That is a company I want to see. Um, uh, I've been to Japan. It was so hard to get my way about because nothing's in English. And I, how dare they <laughs> I walked I went to get in a club and they asked me to roll my sleeves down because of Yakuza because right. of the tattoos you look like a gang member to but then sure. a group of guys found us and started getting photos with us with us lifting them up they were all all queued up to get photos he was holding them like a, just like, like he would hold your wife walking through the door holding them up Why? photos and then like you put one down the other guy would come <laughs> and you got a photo of him I don't know what it is I don't know if it was a <laughs> did game did you not take pictures of yourselves putting the guys up yeah, it's, it's on that blog there's photos of us lifting just random Japanese men of course I'm pretty sure it was a gay boy <laughs> <laughs> I fucking lifted them good <laughs> <laughs> uh, right so just starting to my notes I was stoned as fuck when watching this movie so my notes can I read as the mental breakdown of a man <laughs> not enjoying <laughs> this film. First thing was, see when he's fighting and he's meant to be holding his wee boy yeah. and it cuts away, it is the fakest looking mannequin, child mannequin <laughs> I've ever seen. So he's fighting and this, it's as if he's holding his child but he doesn't give a fuck about it. He's cutting <laughs> off things as he's holding it. It's so shit. <laughs> Though they would never use a proper baby if he's doing all these stunts and that. To be honest, he just shouldn't have done this movie. <laughs> I think this, this movie's this movie's. See when I read, read up and IMDb gave it like fucking like six or seven stars and folk are going, oh, it's a brilliant film. It is, it's classic. These are all fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> see how at the start, right? You know how when he decides to go on this mission and um, he decides to see if his son's worth the trouble, so he gets him to choose either a ball to symbolise him being a waste of space or choose the sword to say he wants to be a ninja this boy is meant to be one years old not able to understand what's going on and he's meant to be like not even able to speak and he's sitting there and they put on the best white outfits and then the wee boy crawls towards the sword and he says good you will choose the way of the samurai and I'm like okay and it says his mother would be proud I'm saying for, for what because uh, you didn't kill him is that why his mum would be happy like I mean <sighs> He also says, fly, commando, my boy. Fly to glory. <laughs> and the wee boy starts talking and he says, that's how I get my education. Just sing things and always watching out for ninja. <laughs> that's not education. <laughs> Nothing about that is an education. See, um, but you know, it, it, when he says about like, check, check for the ninjas and stuff when they go to the first town, when he says towns are, towns are scary because uh, you don't know who's who and there's too many people. And he, uh, they walk into like a, a bathhouse and he says, at least they're equal because he says uh, anybody could be a ninja, even a pretty lady or a, a, or a nice woman like could be a ninja. I think, well, at least they're equal, but you know, oh, yeah. you get to be ninjas. But he says uh, another profound statement, sometimes you have to take a chance if you want to take a bath. <laughs> <laughs> and that's right. <laughs> There's nothing profound about anything that happens. I don't even know if it's the princess or the queen, the woman whose laugh is so fucking irritating and it just oh. keeps going on. Oh, I kill her. She's, I think she's the head of the, the female branch of the ninjas who hide their swords <sighs> in their vaginas, but it looks at Yeah. <laughs> Vagina swords, I've written. That's <laughs> almost nonsense. Do you know what I like, though, as well? Uh, how, the, the, how quiet he is at running. It's ninjas, though, you have to exactly. be quiet around. Well, he's a samurai, but what's the difference? Oh, so I think there, well, there will be a difference. Ninjas are like the SAS, samurai are just like the army. Right. 
I have no idea if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> like, that could be as much, well, just as fucking bullshit as the rest of this film. Uh, how come the folk don't notice the giant sign of the wolf on their gates? It says before the assassin gets them, there's a giant sign of the wolf appears on their gates. It's like fucking six foot high. <laughs> Surely you'd be sitting in the house going, Oh no, Mary. Mary, oh, there's, a wolf, there's a wolf in the gate. We all know it's it's time to hit that road to hell, man. We need to be out here. <laughs> fucking lock the door or get in the motor. Fuck off. How can they not see it? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I want you to answer these questions. I don't know. I don't know why they can't see it, but I guess they just need to accept their fate. Uh, also, one of the bad guys, it might even be the guy you were talking about, that flips over him, goes through all the hassle of like, backflipping over <laughs> the, the warrior. As soon as he lands, he gets stabbed and killed anyway. <laughs> it's like a fucking but, 20 second backflip. Oh, he's <laughs> going to get away from him and he just gets stabbed. In three seconds, he dies. But it's, it's because shit. he's the best uh, ninja out there, uh, samurai out there. Uh, See, and then so basically, he's he's taking out all these different ninjas as he goes, the different factions of the ninjas, trying to get him for the shogun because he's essentially defied the shogun. He used to be the shogun's best warrior and he's defied the shogun because the shogun killed his wife. I can't, I'm not sure, but anyway, yeah, he he's killed pissed his off, wife. Um, so the masters of death come to get them because they're like the top ninjas who you think that if you were the best you would just always be fighting instead of waiting to the end until he's killed everybody else then you fight because then you're not getting any experience but they come in and they're the three of them and they've got uh, three different weapons one with a claw one with a club and one with nails to fists as it's described I'm sure that is exact same as Big Trouble in Little China well that's what I'm saying it must be it must be like Japanese kind of folklore rip off yeah hmm. you know how the big boy was too young to remember and how he can you speak how the hell can he count to how many bodies? Like, he's sitting there counting. I don't know. I was just really weirded out by Peter Felix thing for <laughs> this whole film. <laughs> they take they take a bath together and it's... and it's Because there's only one bath in the bathhouse. I mean, they're just getting washed. No, they're not. He strips them down and stares at them sexually. Then they get in the bath and they just look at each other. It's fucking weird, man. You, you'd go with your notes because from here on out, my notes are the ramblings of a man who's not great. <laughs> Weird <laughs> enough to follow what's going on. I've just got a, a quarter page left of notes left, and I'll read them quickly, and then I want to hear in order your your uh, stone notes. <laughs> so uh, you know how when he's he, one time where the next bunch of people come up to try and kill him, and it's uh, female ninjas, and um, she's supposed to be the best ninja. I think she's dressed like a geisha or something to begin with, and he kind of slap stabs her, and she jumps out of her outfit like a Russian doll, <laughs> yeah. and then she's just really, really brilliant at running backwards. <laughs> <laughs> she just runs backwards across <laughs> and it cuts between him looking at her in the fields and then back and then she's about another 20 feet away just running backwards <laughs> and it goes for so long uh, right, and then there's like I was watching the bit and I was thinking I couldn't really remember it at the time when everybody goes in and then the, the ninja gets them in the after the after the boat they're on a boat and it sinks and they're soaking wet then this ninja woman comes up to him and he kind of tackles her down and strips her and I'm thinking I'm sure He's just looking for any uh, any hidden weapons, you know, any of the vagina swords. But I'm thinking he's, ah, uh, it's like I don't remember this movie. Disney rapper, does he? But no, he doesn't. He strips all three of them naked so they can have a close cuddle for body heat. Oh, I don't worry, I've got that covered. Which, in my uh, which is when uh, the, the the nipple flick happens when the wee boy just flicks her nipples. I'm not entirely sure why they have to why that was in it, but the body heat thing is definitely true, as is used in the movie without a paddle when they have to get naked to cuddle. There's together. a difference. Without a paddle was. Like an American comedy, uh, the oldest story that folk could. But follow. that's a true thing, though. If you're freezing, you want to be naked because you'll you'll warm you'll heat up quicker. If you're wearing wet clothes, you'll be freezing all night. The assassin wasn't wearing wet clothes. He was. They would just come out the water. The the boat sank. No. Yep. 
That's just fucking nonsense, man. Did you ever notice that the that the tune they play for him uh, sounds a lot like Darth Vader's Death March? No. It's uh, do 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 do. It's like oh. very very close, very very close, a lot slower. Um, How could you do that there without just going into the Darth Vader de- uh, Imperial March? It's because I'm a musician. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Now, you know how at the end when he when he's going to the last fight where I think he's fighting the three brothers and then they're in the desert I didn't know there was any deserts in Japan but uh, so they, they, they're all kind of walking across the, the, the sand and then they come across the wee boy who's maybe about 10 feet in front of them mm-hmm. and they stop and he points as if to say ha ha my dad's there <laughs> but it turns around the corner and the, the, the ninja assassin the shogun assassin's about 100 feet if more mm-hmm. away up the sand dunes at least one of those 20 people could have stabbed that wee boy way <laughs> before he got there Definitely. <laughs> it's hard till I see your notes and try to come up with a coherent discussion <laughs> over something that I think is one of the worst films I've seen in a see, long time. See when he kills, he, now does he kill, he kills either one of the masters of death or their leader who's a, again a better assassin than them and he slits his neck and it goes and then it comes out like mist. Uh, there's, there's very little gore in it. And he does this last words monologue that's, like he says at the end, he says that, they say when you cut someone's neck, a sound escapes like a whispering wind, and in his atmosphere, I always wanted in my life to cut someone like that. The fact that it happened to me is just ridiculous. <laughs> like, the, what's ridiculous is how long you're talking. Like this monologue is so so way ridiculous. I had to explain everything that's happening in the life. But then it finishes at the end when he goes around about and kills everybody, and then. Uh, the wee boy says that he wants, he wishes for peace. But in another, uh, finishing off with another profound uh, statement, a wish is only a wish. You're right. A wish is only a wish. Just like dreams oh, are only dreams. The full, the full movie's like a facepalm. A total fucking facepalm. <laughs> I always think it was banned because folk were watching it going, this is shit. <laughs> There's a little boy flicking a nipple, naked in the bath. So, as the movie went on, I kind of get more and more into a faraway plain <laughs> and I just started writing everything that was caught in my head so I wrote he said tiger roll just as I was thinking about eating one <laughs> and then I like tiger rolls better than I like this movie <laughs> the masters of death are the same as the three guys in Big Trouble in Little China so I was still coherent enough why do they all strip at the end wait is this a rape why does he strip the little boy before it is this a threesome <laughs> what <laughs> why are they showing a little boy flicking a nipple Scott owes me 81.28 minutes of my life back. I hate you, Scott. <laughs> I do like this tiger roll, because at that point I would go and get a tiger roll with Cole Tam. It was fucking delightful. And then at the very end, Scott no longer picks movies for the podcast. <laughs> Walking Dead, bitch. <laughs> the, no, but you need to have movies that you hate, because then it, it reserved for, for more it, life. It just screen. films the woman's nipple and the little boy's face is maybe two inches away from it. And he looks at it. And you're like, right, where is this going? And he just starts flicking it. <laughs> for like five to ten seconds. That's it's longer than I need to see a child flicking a nipple. But, you know, you just need to get some nipple shots into movies, so that's what every movie needs. Nah. The, um, at the end, but after, after that woman that uh, flicks a nipple, the next day when they get their clothes nap back on again, she goes to follow him into the woods, and then he uh, he pulls out his sword to say, because she's behind him, and he pulls out his sword and puts it to the side and says, I can hear you coming. And she drops her sword because she was an assassin. And then uh, he, he puts his sword back in, but he does it then slowly as if to say, yeah, this is what my dick would be. <laughs> <laughs> and, <it's> like, <laughs> and then she just walks away. And then the wee boy, like the wee boy's narrating the whole thing. And he goes, um, 
we felt bad for her going back because now she's having to go and uh, going back to the showground and say she failed and she'll have to commit hurry hurry and it's like <laughs> what and it's made me think of that Lemmy sketch have you seen the Lemmy sketch where he's a newsreader when he's talking about uh, and he's like saying and now we have to say there's been more violence in the Middle East uh, there's been uh, explosions in the city of Kabul and, uh, and, he's, and, he's like, and he turns to the camera and goes why did they say it like that why, why, why do they have to say I mean you don't say uh yeah, there was, uh, there was a mugging in the borough of New York. You know, they don't, they don't say that. They don't, they don't. And it's like, why do you need to, why is that word? How much better would the news be if it did, though? Yeah, no, I know, but it's, it's, what, how come some places get a proper pronunciation, like the way that place says it, and other places just get, because you could say Harry Carry, or you could say have to ritualistically kill ourselves. They probably don't really know how it's pronounced, though, so that's them just trying to... Surely it's dubbed from over here. I don't think they'd actually... I don't think there was a story to the film. I think they've watched it and just went... Just went <laughs> whatever he's, he looks like he's saying, like what reading, we're just going to put words in here. That little boy's narration, honestly, every five seconds it changes to something that doesn't make sense to the first five seconds. I'd like to see a like Shawshank Redemption rather than Morgan Freeman. I'd like it to be narrated by that little boy <laughs> just to see how it's like because I don't think they had any story. I think you should. I think they should. Somebody should do that. They should do like an alternate version where you can buy it and you can have the movie narrated by the wee and assassin boy. It's like he's still alive. Aye. Probably grew up with real sexual deviances. I think um, he's hopefully got a different haircut as well. I don't really mind his hair. It's very similar to mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't give it anything out of ten because I, honestly, I don't even know why you made me watch it. I'm giving this movie six baby nipple flicks out of ten. And I'm giving it six because it's I did I really liked it and I'll probably watch it again because it is a, to my eyes it's a classic but I hold fond memories of it because I watched it when well, I watched clips of it when I was young and I don't know if anybody in, that's listening from I, I'm assuming only the UK if anybody remembers a TV programme that was on Channel 5 late at night and I think it was called Out There and there was a woman it was like sci-fi like background she stood in front of it and she had a futuristic looking dress on and she would just show clips of really bizarre movies and, and this one, Shogun Assassin was always, always in it. Wait, and age were you in this zone? Uh, between 12 and 16, maybe. Maybe 16's a bit too old. So, early 80s, <laughs> Channel 5. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and, and this one was always in it. But they always called it Baby Cart. I think it was Baby Cart they called it, because they just showed the different clips with the cart, like, had different songs and stuff inside me, it. <laughs> you said to me that he's got a wooden cart, or, like, pram, that he keeps his... Or blades come out. Around. I was saying blades shot out the wheels. So I think... No, I didn't fucking see that, but... He rolls when he kicks the cart towards, like, a row of ninjas and then the, the blades come out the wheels and it chops off their ankles, chops off I their feet. I was going to be digging out my tiger <laughs> roll at that point. Because I thought, all right, this, this is not the way Scott painted this movie. <laughs> I was thinking, like, wacky races. <laughs> Japanese wacky races. I, mean, I was totally like, uh, pimp my cart, man. When you, when no, you I've got a it. Japanese child <laughs> snuff film. <laughs> That's what I fucking got. I like uh, it. It's, it's I think, compare it to the next movie we're going to do, Riccio, it's it fails in comparison. Oh, Riccio blows it clean out the water. But we want Riccio then. Yeah, Riccio. Which Riccio, the story of Ricky from nineteen ninety one. A young man with superhuman strength is incarcerated at a prison run by corrupt officials and seeks to use his martial arts to clean up the system. Based on the manga, Riccio, it is just incredible. It was you that brought this to my attention, you showed me the trailer. Yeah, I seen it somewhere, I think it was a YouTube video of the ten potentially the ten most bonkers movies ever mm-hmm. made and it was on it and I thought well, I need to see You see it, mate, and this. then 
I've uh, like I bought it for HMV or so or Amazon, I bought it from somewhere. And watched it and takes you straight away going, This is fucking incredible. <laughs> we need to do a full episode just on this movie. Very camp sounding though, isn't it? Like the the, the dub overdub no, is it dub notes and subtitles, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's um very camp in the delivery and it's almost manga esque got the reactions and, and that is stand up for but, a lot of that kind of yeah, cinema. Yeah, that's how a lot of Asian cinema it sounds kinda campy. It's like ham acting and dubbed up with yeah. reactions and stuff. The film is is notorious for its excessive use of violence, like really graphic violence and gore. Watching back now, obviously, it's all practical effects. But even I was watching it going, fucking hell, man, you can't put that in a movie. I think I've, yeah. I've written the injuries are brutal, nonsense and stupendous. <laughs> because that's, that's just exactly what it is. See at the start as well when he's, uh, I can't remember what part it is, if he's working out or just like moving his body or something, he's got a fucking back six pack. His back muscles, man. He's just like <laughs> I can't remember the guy's name, but he's like Tony Yeah, in the way that he is a real martial artist. Yeah. Uh, Fan Su Wong, that's his name. That could be wrong. No, I think you're right. I think I did look that up. Uh, but uh, throughout the whole film, he's basically invincible with superhuman strength and can withstand all pain, which then leads it to it's believable that all this like fucking punching jaws off and the heads clean off. But he's works. but he's got a, a disability. He was not shot. In the chest and the heart, and he and he told the doctors to leave the bullet fragments in his chest yeah. and his heart so that he remembers what pain feels like. <laughs> feels like but they didn't even take the time. They, all the all the time they took to explode heads and punch guts out, they didn't put any wee scar marks on his chest. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's because continuity. They'd have to then do it every scene where he's getting staff off. They staff staff the whole time. I like at the start when uh, he gets put in jail and I think somebody get killed it must be at the start because it's at the start of my notes and I just thought there's nothing like doing a shadow come through in the rain to show how angry he is oh, or something <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently there's a mystical kung fu style known as Qui-Gong which in reality is a holistic system of coordinated body posture and movement breathing and meditation used for health spirituality and martial arts training mm. I looked that up because I thought is that a real martial arts can you be superhuman strength is there like a martial arts I believe that it could be? No. No, <laughs> no, no, it's <laughs> no, the simple answer. No, there's not. A big fight scene, see between Ricky and Oscar, the guy with the knife. Can remember that out in the, the prison yard? It's like the most over the top. It's alright, I've got a play by play. So during the fight, Oscar throws powdered glass into Ricky's eyes. So Ricky's kind of blinded and he slashes his right arm. Oh, oh yeah, he's took his arm off. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> Ricky then smashes a water pipe to obviously clean his eyes. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was quite quite practical in a fight to think about that he then uses his teeth in his left hand to tie the veins and tendons <laughs> tendons in his right arm back together medically probably not possible <laughs> <laughs> so then Ricky smacks Oscar on the back of the head which pops out his eye and leaves him to, well, leaves the eye to be eaten by the crows again fucking cool <laughs> and then Oscar attempts to commit suicide by seppuku which I bet is like Harry Carey yeah. the, the cutting of the belly and then Oscar uses his own intestines to try and strangle Ricky. <laughs> which then the warden comes out and says, oh, you've got a lot of guts, Oscar. <laughs> and then Ricky punches Oscar in the face and he just cuts down the extra image of his skull completely exploding. <laughs> and I watched that, I went, this is a fucking brilliant movie. You can't get away with that now. Even if effects are obviously a bit dodgy at times, but I still think any certification board would be like, no, guys, calm it down. There's so much nonsense. Like the questions I've got, like even the start when he comes in and meets one of the gang bosses, he's got tattoos on him that's, that looks as if he's got a fucking bit of bubble gum. It's nearly <laughs> stupid transfer tattoos. It just seems completely nonsense. I mean, the vice warden that's looking after the prison's got like a claw hand, and it just is so impractical. Like 
Did you try and try to use it? And then did you notice when he's in his, in his office there's just like a random shelf of porn? <laughs> just all just porn. <laughs> oh, the best part is when he's like when the, when the warden comes out he t- tries to tell him like who's who's the boss and stuff and tells him to like you know fit to the rules. He karate chops the desk in half and then he and then he goes and he and he does a punch but it doesn't touch him. But then he ear, he, he ear punched the uh, the warden's nose like it starts bleeding because he's 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 that strong. He doesn't even need to touch you. The ear punch him funny. <laughs> Which I think that actually might be a real martial art. Because that looks believable to me. Well, I don't know if you could bust on his nose with ear punching, but I know that Bruce Lee could do the one inch punch and knock people like like. Remember the things that Air Zookas used to get for the gadget shop? Yeah. And you just blow air like a cannon. That conceivably, if it was a bit stronger, could bust your nose, and it's just mm. air. So if you can, if you can generate enough energy from your fist and the wind, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like I know it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, after that, I've written uh, Asians have really cool hair. They do. This is not racist. They all look like anime. They do characters. Yep. Like Yu-Gi-Oh here. See when you see like uh, trendy Asians, like when any picture yeah, like, yeah. them. I mean, they've done that here properly. I mean, you can really shit looking here for some Asians, but like mm. if they're done properly and good, that's, that looks awesome. See, really I can't good. even get my hair slicked back properly without it falling down. Never mind the big fucking Yu-Gi-Oh like thing. I wish I could. There's so many other bits, like the uppercut that tears his jaw clean off. <laughs> his jaw <laughs> just rips off his head. And then when the guy attempts to punch him, Ricky punches all his fingers off. <laughs> <laughs> see how, see how, I think it's just the fight just before he does the uh, the tendons and stuff like that fight. He goes out into the, the grounds of the um, the prison and the first one's going to ask, how the fuck did the, the boy get up on that big massive cross that's in the grounds? But then he's going to ask, why the hell was somebody crucified up on that big huge cross? They don't explain that. I, is it not the gang? The gang have put him up there as a punishment? The gang of four or whoever it is that rules the prison? Now, the gang of four, we get to meet them. Uh, I was asking, like, one of them's called Wong Chon, and I was like, is, is Wong Chon a woman? Very, very feminine features. That, the what guy, one was it? I can't remember. The kind of main, the wee main one that fights him. Not the big kind of bear. Not the one with the, not Gilbert Godfrey that had the sticks on the, <laughs> on the, the needles on the, on the, on the ropes. Uh, and I can't remember the other guy was. I think one was a woman. Very, very feminine yeah. with the face. And that's the one that fights him, and that's the one that's, that's doing the fight move, and then it punches him in the chest. I fit your death spot. <laughs> the slip. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but that's about like Kill Bill. With the, yeah. the five finger. Or ah, the, the five finger punch. Yeah, yeah. And then it's also like, probably take from a, there's a movie called The, the One Arm Boxer. I don't know if you've seen that. I've seen no. that when I was young, I've never been able to find it since. This guy's like a martial artist, and he gets his arm chopped off at the start of the movie, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, my life's over now. And then uh, some kind of mystical. Kung Fu Master teaches him that if you set your arm on fire, I believe that's what it does, it will become invincible. So essentially he burns it and it's all black and then it just goes with one hand and just bites everybody. <laughs> How many people do you think tried that at the time? <laughs> well, I don't know. But he does all pressure points and he pressure points one guy like and then he just swells up like through a assault for um, Willy Wonka like just <laughs> properly like wearing one of those inflatable suits. It's brilliant. We need to find it. We, well, we need to find it and we'll need to watch it. No. I'm not going to any more of your fucking recommendations. Uh, the... In fact, it's in Hot Rod as well, one of my favourite films, where Isla Fisher does the like the five hits and uh-huh. then he shits himself. Ah, uh, yeah. I think that's a real move as well. I'm determined <laughs> to learn it. See how, like, after they done the, they were fighting in the, the grounds uh, and the guards say, we're going to shoot you all, mm. so, they, so they all decide to run in and he runs in with the big kind of bear guy, the guy that punches his jaw off or punches through his jaw uh-huh. and they run into this room that uh, they just start filling with cement. Like, I don't know why, but then, so so Ricky just 
head first dives through a steel door just <laughs> straight through it like I mean sometimes it's one of those it's one of those movies sometimes he's got like ridiculously over the top strength and uh, like he's completely invincible and other times it's like brought back again do you know what I mean like like if you're uh, able you to head stick first one side yeah, one way or the other yeah. like essentially he could just punch everybody like essentially <sighs> he could punch spoiler alert he can punch his way out of prison he literally punches a hole in the wall like a massive like 20 foot hole in the wall and walks out <laughs> at the end. Do you know what I mean? Like, about sometimes he's just doing like a regular fight. But it's the same with all manga. All manga is ridiculous. Like, things happen in manga where the guy's got like a wolf as an arm. They don't question why the fuck's that guy got a wolf for his arm. It's just normal in the world of manga. Yeah. But, see, because I'm not that into anime just now, it's like I'm watching it going, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Not this movie, this movie is brilliant. Yeah. But any other, the shit. Like that, uh, I don't. The, I don't believe. Yeah, I know. It, it takes a bit of just accepting that this is what's happening. Yeah. Isn't it? And, and I mean, I'm fine with that, but I think I'd imagine quite a lot of folk aren't. But like the mangas and stuff, always get massive star ratings on Netflix and stuff. I, but I guess yeah. I'll tell you why that'll be because only people who enjoy them will watch them. Yeah. Whereas everybody will watch like some horror movies and some other movies Maybe and everybody. Zombies. Right. So that'll be why because you wouldn't watch mangas and animes if you didn't already know what you're getting into. So that's probably why the guy ratings. Um. So the, towards the end of the movie, the, the warden comes home, and do you not think he looks like uh, Judge Doom when he first comes out of the up with uh, Christopher Lloyd's character in Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, the big giggly eyes. Swearing that they're into the round black sunglasses and the, the big uh, kind of rimmed hat. But, with, um, with a wee fat boy that looks like oh, Kim Jong-un. Jong <laughs> oh, he annoys the fuck out of me, man. It's just so annoying. Uh, and see, when you get the warden and he's got like, he's having like a heart attack and he shouts for his pills... They bring him like three, three tubs of jelly beans. Like they don't bring him pills. They don't bring him like anything that looks like paracetamol or aspirin or anything that could be possibly happening. In the manga, it will just be done that way to show you that these are pills. So they just took it in, in the movie. It's like skittles. See where he throws the warden into the big industrial meat grinder at the end. I think we're, we're, we're skipping past the part where the warden fucking evolves into his final form. <laughs> like he totally just like just and just jumps into this big massive like seven feet. We're still a shorts in a lap film. It's like, as he, he turns into the Incredible Hulk, he's still white. Um, oh, he throws him in. Apparently, there was that much fake blood that uh, the guy who played Ricky had his skin stained red for at least three days while he couldn't get it off. Which uh, you kind of understand it when you watch the scene because there's a lot of fucking blood. Aye. Uh, so, I mean, it's spectacular overall. And then, obviously, after he kills the warden, he walks out and punches his way to jail. But. <laughs> Uh, it's, again, as you do, it's hard to say that thing. It's, pro <laughs> it's, it's probably worth mentioning that it's it sets up at the start that it's set in a future where the prisons are private. So the I mean, the, the people are in jail for reasons that yeah. they shouldn't be in jail or they're kept in jail longer. Like it's not like a government. Control I think thing. it's, it's set like, in like two thousand one or something. Is it not? Well, it's set in a kind of just like a yeah. alternate future then, or like and a believable one because the jails will end up privatized at some point. But there'll still be like a law to say that when you've done your term, you can get out. Not that they can just decide just to keep you in. Like when they had the boy that um, like it was palsy, that it was only done the traffic offence, and yeah. they just kept him in for any reason. But I don't know because some of the things now there's folk getting out and then still committing crimes. Maybe it should be up to the jail to decide. And that's fine like for people who are actually committing crimes, but not for people who have like maybe crashed a car by accident. I don't know. I have a traffic offences, and I probably shouldn't be out. <laughs> Especially after watching Shogun Assassin, he's been angry and just want to kill you. Oh, I like Shogun Assassin. I don't know why. So that's something I've got to say about uh, If you haven't seen it, go get it. 
Fine, you're buying DVD, it's got quite a cool colour. Like one of those kind of hand, not hand painted, obviously hand painted. Like like Star Wars posters used to be, a cover like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's brilliant. It is pretty good. I'm giving this uh, 8 dogs kicked in half out of 10. I'm giving it an 8 as well. So I enjoyed it. If it wasn't so silly in places, maybe give it a 9. But in fact, maybe it's the it's silliness that makes it endearing. I think it. I think it's as I think it is. Yeah. I just, everything I say in one sentence, I contradict myself. I'm saying so. I think by the end of the sentence, I'll go back on it. I've noticed that when listening back to the podcast, I just rabbit on. Oh, no, actually, <laughs> I'm, I'm no exactly points. the same. So yeah, I have contradictory points. Like I'll say something and then I'll, like completely say the opposite. <laughs> like, <laughs> like when I made it, I'm going. We've just agreed and disagreed with each other yeah. in the same fucking way. <laughs> But it's like I think that's that's just part of our chat. conversation, like because I'm open. We're open minded to other points. Right? I mean, when I'm saying a sentence, I'm thinking it through in my head. So I've already keep a different decision in my head for the sentence I'm already saying. Right? <laughs> you know, it's, like, I just can't follow a coherent train of thought anymore. No, I'm done. Well, I, there's two things though that I'm not open to: The Walking Dead, as you know, and now Shogun Assassin. That's your second strike. The Walking if Dead you tell me to watch one more thing that's fucking ridiculous The Walking Dead is fantastic and yeah. I really think you should give it another chance to get yeah. to season 6 and get fully season submerged in it and think that it's awesome and I was, I was actually trying to figure out how I could make a tangible link and not just you badmouthing it get a tangible <laughs> link to The Walking Dead into every episode and uh, I guess the only thing I have is the character Glenn uh, is in it and they, they, they call him kind of Chinese and stuff at the beginning and it, they make a big deal about him being Korean Right. Which is exactly where our creepy corner guy's from. Uh, that's a good link. <laughs> <laughs> so now Scott's linked is in with his brilliant Walking Dead reference. Uh, this week we'll cover another kind of serial killer. Would it be a serial killer? Uh, I think it's technically called a. Mass murderer? Mass murderer? I think so. I think that's a technical term. The technical term, a serial killer has to kill more than four people over the space of 30 days with uh, a significant cooldown period in between, so they're not crimes of passion. Really? Yep. The technical technical definition of a serial killer has to have that cooldown period in between and kill more than four people. Oh, so four people with 30 days between each people? Each person? Or at least a month? No, at least... 30 days between the first killing and the last killing. Oh, kill. right, right, okay. That makes more sense. I was mm. like, what? Uh, so, a student Sam Hui Cho shot and killed 32 people on Virginia Tech's campus in 2007. The mass murder ended when he turned the gun and shot himself in the head. Coward. He is a fucking coward, man. So, a bit of his early life. He was born in South Korea on January the 18th, 1984. Sung Hui Cho is known for carrying out one of the most devastating mass murders in the United States. In 2007, several years before the shooting, when Cho was about eight years old, he and his family came to the country from South Korea. They eventually settled in Centerville, Virginia, where they ran a dry cleaning business. <laughs> Cho, Cho was known as a shy child who liked basketball and did well in math. Stereotypical as fuck. <laughs> well, you go to America. You go to school. Be good mathematician. John. <laughs> but according to an article in Newsweek magazine, Cho was also bullied by other children, including wealthy members of his church. In high school, Cho was described as sullen and aloof. After graduating in 2003, he went on to study at Virginia Tech University, located in Blacksburg, Virginia. The school has an extensive campus with more than 30,000 students residing there. 
Joe stood out as a near-silent loner who wrote gruesome poems, stories and plays. He sometimes referred to himself as question mark. Yeah, but he was in uh, a couple of classes. He, like said, he was good at maths, but he really wanted to be uh, a writer, so he went to like some English classes and, and whatnot. And uh, he had this kind of slight mutism, they called it, and he could was, was quiet for so many periods of time. And the teachers would ask him questions, uh, even like introduce yourself, who was your name? And when he got to uni, he answered one teacher as question mark. And that's what his name was. <laughs> My name is question mark. Do you have a warning sign right there? Uh, one professor, a poet, Nikki Giovanni, had him removed from her class for disturbing the law students. She told Time magazine that there was something mean about this boy. She said that he was a bully and always came to class wearing sunglasses and a hat. There's there's uh, two types of people who wear sunglasses inside. The blind and dickheads. <laughs> Definite dickheads. That's another warning sign right there. <laughs> Joe was also photographing the legs and knees of female students in, his, in the class, which I don't see anything wrong with that. All the members <laughs> of the English department faculty were concerned about him as well. Lucinda Roy, the co-director of the school's creative writing programme, took him out of class and tutored him individually. She also encouraged Joe to get some counselling. He did a history of mental health as well when he was in high school. I think they had uh, like they diagnosed him with a selective mutism and... Uh, he had, I think it was a period of perhaps depression. They did put him on a antidepressants, which lifted his confidence and lifted his mood. And I think that's what encouraged him to actually apply to uni. So he went and, you know, went to school. He went to that on his own back. He wasn't um, forced into it by his family or such. Within his mental health diagnosis, so they had said they'd noticed in his high school that he became obsessed with the Columbine massacre, like the, the other high school uh, shooting. Um, and obviously that, looking back, in hindsight, that's a massive red flag, but in Virginia State, and probably in a lot of places, uh, your, your personal mental health history is confidential, and in, uh, as he'd never committed any crimes, th- there was no need for that to be passed on, so nobody was told yeah. these like issues with it. Like obviously depression and uh, social anxieties and selective mutism, stuff like that's not, you know, there's no reason to be like labelling the guy with any of these, di- these, these issues, but the fascination with other high school students what, what would you say was an obsession though because if you say if we watch a documentary on Columbine or talk about serial killers and like my google history just now would make me look fucking obsessed but it's just doing research yeah. shit. well so, I think uh, yeah, I think the difference between being obsessed in, uh, in a bad way would be he apparently identified with these guys said that he felt like he understood why they'd done it and thought it was a good idea. Yeah. Like he said, like, I can see why they'd done it and uh, and this is, makes sense and, you know, they, these guys are righteous and, and everything else. They thought, he thought they were right in what they'd done and that's the difference, I think, between saying, oh, the mind of a serial killer fascinates me, like, to find out why they do these things. Like, that's the difference. Feeling that you understand why they do it and thinking it's a good idea is different from wanting to understand why people can act in the see, way they do. I don't feel like I connect with them. I just feel like I find it arousing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't just uh, just read about Charlie Manson just about involuntary yep. ejaculation. No pants on. No pants on. You see Charlie as well like, people. A lot of people will be have different levels of um, personality disorders, who, and some personality disorders can be very very manipulating and charming. As you'll see if you do any research on, on any kind of serial killers and real like, okay, Charlie Manson didn't actually physically kill him himself, but um, there, was, there was a woman who um, she was married him in jail. Really? Yeah. I believe. Oh, Charles um, Manson, you talking yeah. about? Or, uh, I know, know this guy. Uh, yeah, Charles Manson, uh, married him in jail, fell over him. There's a woman who was uh, Ian Brady's lawyer, or advocate, sorry, if you watch the for the mm. UK, Ian Brady and Myra Hindley. Uh, the woman who was an advocate for Ian Brady fell in love with him. And she, well, she didn't fall in love with him, actually. She 
watching a documentary, you could see that she was totally on his side because he'd manipulated yeah. her and thinking that he was. But a some of these people are just so good at manipulation exactly. that you don't realise it's happened. Yeah, we've actually got about an expert today because you are from a mental health background. So. I wouldn't say experts. I would say yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's like why they're talking heads. They say they're experts just because they know some stuff. So you are a resident mental health expert. Yeah. So there you go. In addition to his own behaviour and dark writings, Cho exhibited other potential warning signs. He was twice accused of stalking female students in two thousand and five, but neither victim filed charges. A suicidal statement by Cho to a sweetmate led to him being taken to a psychiatric hospital in December of that year. He was soon released with orders to receive therapy as an outpatient. Uh, he said to his roommate, I think he said, he called you, he said to his yeah, roommate that he sure. was um, feeling suicidal. Uh, who this was who eventually reported that the roommate had experienced a lot of different odd behaviours in, in, in the guy, and uh, he felt this was when he had to report. So he got taken in. He spent a night in an inpatient facility. Uh, he was assessed and decided that he didn't pose a threat to himself. Uh, so he was released. Well, no, he was he was he was discharged from the inpatient facility with recommendations to attend an outpatient clinic and meet with a psychologist or whatever. I don't really know the complete ends of it. But um, he just didn't turn up. He just didn't comply with uh, with that recommendation. And because there was no uh, mental health order or anything put in place for his health, they never followed it up. And they did, in, in a way, looking back again, you could see that that was, you know, part of that warning saying you could have, we could have gotten, had done work with him and fixed and stopped this from happening. But at the time, what they were treating him for you know, and the, the, the outcome of this their situation wasn't in the cards and him not turning up for his appointments was just simply well he doesn't want to it go, wasn't so. a big red flag yeah. uh, to us the first thing if I was his roommate the first thing I'd have reported was the indoor sunglasses yeah <laughs> yes absolutely so to us I'd blame the roommate because he's missed out there well the, the roommate there's um, there was the, 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 the roommate actually invited him out there was two roommates it was like a, it was like a suite and um, they actually invited him out one time to go to a frat party and uh, he went which he thought was out of character because he never used to go and he got a bit drunk and uh, he started to tell like open up and speak to his roommates and he told them about his imaginary girlfriend I think they like he didn't just tell them about his girlfriend he actually introduced her as his imaginary girlfriend who he called Jelly and who, who called him Spanky <laughs> and like, this is like right fair enough okay and they moved on for the frat party back to like a house party to where Cho initiated conversation and said wanna see something cool and Joe said wanna see something cool <laughs> <laughs> no I can't do it anymore yeah, and the thing is he didn't even he didn't hear he didn't hear an Indian accent so I'm completely off the mark <laughs> um, you're not off the mark it's fine <laughs> uh, so, so, then, so then they thought well, this, is, this is kind of weird they never really offers anything Cho then brings out a knife that he had on his person and starts slowly stabbing the carpet in this guy's house. That's when I would have reported him. <laughs> see, think it, see, reading through some of this shit, like this and our serial killers, I think back to me growing up at parties and think maybe some of the stuff I did was weird. Were you, were you stabbing the carpet? No, I, I used to think I could breakdance. I, <laughs> I used to get out on the carpet and pretend to breakdance. Nobody asked me to do it. <laughs> Nobody cared. But maybe... Tell other people that's fucking weird. <laughs> I wish I'd never admitted that. <laughs> no, I'm glad you did. The, um, with the roommate, once he started kind of made that connection with him and kind of, you know, brought him out to be friends stuff, that's when he chose started to be more active with this guy. He started phoning him up. Like, mm. That's when this question mark comes back into play. He pretended to have a twin brother. He didn't have any. A brother had a sister who helped him out a lot. And when he was kind of growing up, she was intelligent. I think she graduated from Princeton University. 
Um, he portrayed this twin brother uh, who was called Question Mark, who had this different persona, and some psychologists believe that this was perhaps a persona that he wished that he had himself. He wished he could act like this, maybe outgoing, maybe charming, funny, uh, just a different type of person. He used to phone up his roommate and pretend to be Question Mark, and his roommate would be like, ah, okay, chill, I know it's you. And he's like, no, no, it's, it's Question Mark here. And he'd, and he'd be like, right, okay. And he'd just find, he'd just, like, find it weird and be like, I don't... Uh, Really want to be it sounds like he's trying to do the prince thing where, where prince just turned himself into a symbol but he still comes to a question mark which sounds like a real shit name he's done it wrong he should just be known as a symbol question mark symbol. but then how do you introduce yourself yeah. he should just say nothing well, he's, he's going about this all wrong <laughs> <laughs> uh, five weeks before the shooting Cho bought his first handgun and purchased his second one closer to the date of the attack from evidence found in his dorm room it was clear that he'd been planning this assault on his fellow students and the faculty for quite some time on April 16, 2007, Cho began his rampage by killing two students in a documentary after 7am. He later went on to a classroom building and began shooting students and faculty members, killing 32 people and injuring numerous others around 9.45am. The spree only ended when Cho turned one of his guns on himself, shooting himself in the left temple. The entire nation was shocked and horrified at the events at Virginia Tech, and up until that point, the largest campus shooting had taken place in 1966, when Charles Whitman killed 15 people on campus in the University of Texas. In between the two sets of attacks, after he killed the two girls in the first uh, dorm room, he went back to his, his own dorm room, changed his clothes, rearmed his weapons, and then went to a, a local post office and mailed his, uh, a package to NBC News. Uh, and, it, and it contained his manifesto, video clips, and um, pictures of himself in various poses. Uh, and his, his manifesto, which you can find online, is, um, I think it was 14 pages, but it's, it's shortened down. You can find it online, you can read all the crazy stuff that he had to say. Um, Probably don't, because he's a fucking lunatic. You know, he's like, I mean, some of the stuff that he has wrote in it. All the happiness that I could have had mingling among you hedonists being counted as one of you, only if you didn't fuck the living shit out of me. You could be at home right now eating your fucking caviar and your fucking cognac, and you've ravenously raped my soul. Let the revolution begin. Die, you descendants of Satan. Fuck you and die now. He even called himself, and he got a new persona and called himself Axe Ishmael, the anti terrorist of America. I mean, the guy was gen- like completely messed up. Um, and in one part of the um, one part of these videos, he, he, he looks at the camera and asks, well, he doesn't look at the camera, he's clearly reading, he's written all this down before he films it. And, he's, uh, and he asks, um, do you know what it feels like to be spit on your face and have trash stuffed down your throat? And I thought, well, that's that's a bit unfair, then, isn't it? Because I mean, if he's been bullied like that, um, that's that. I mean, he's maybe got a reason. And he continues, do you know what it feels like to dig your own grave? Do you know what it feels like to have your throat slashed from ear to ear? Do you know what it feels like to be torched alive? Do you know what it feels like to be humiliated and impaled on a cross? I'm thinking, no, you don't know what any of this feels like. You fucking pain in the ass. You don't know. Any of these things that he's asking, and he's just completely. And in, in between these always ramblings, there's there's like kind of religious aspects as well. And you just think, yeah, I don't know what he thinks and what he thought was happening. He says he asks about all the people about the trust fund wasn't enough, the Mercedes wasn't enough, calls them snobs, and it's reported that the school he went to, what, there was no rich kids kicking about. It wasn't like they were, you know, he felt left out or felt like other like any kind of jealousy. It was a public school. There was, uh, everybody was kind of on the same level and they were all there to, to learn and to be taught and he seemed to create this vision of the world in his own head that resulted in him um, carrying this out. Um, it's kind of a rebel without 
Russell Rail without a cause. Yeah. He wants something to be upset about. He wants something to explain why he's such a fucking outsider. Right. It's just because you wear sunglasses inside and you're a bitch. <laughs> exactly, that's it. But he, d- he needs to reason it away on oh, these other rich people. It's fucking first world privileges. The, the guy's obviously got himself. If he's, if he's at fucking a, a fancy university in America, he's from a, a nice, a decent background. Uh-huh. So it's just a fucking dick. Exactly, that's exactly what it is. An absolute yeah. dick. Completely, that's what he is. He's an absolute dick. He went in to the uh, the room uh, and he chained the door shut so nobody could escape. He um, apparently the the police were called uh, a couple. Of, it was a couple of weeks before it that uh, somebody was acting strange in the hall and they found the doors chained shut and they think that was him doing a trial run, like chained oh, the shut and then walked around about all the rooms to decide what way we go. See there, why did somebody not go right? Well, they didn't know it was him at the time. They just. They reported somebody feeling like acting strange, but it wasn't traced back to him, so they couldn't they couldn't pin it on him for that. But they just they now looking back think that that's what that was. But there should be some sort of thing we can I look at cameras and see who chained the doors, or go right. Somebody's chained the doors. This is going. To, this is a dry run. Air shooting or something and get yeah folk in place to stop the tip. Well, after his shooting, Virginia Tech and many schools across America began to manage examining their, their crisis management plans in a. How they identify and handle potentially dangerous students. I tell you how you handle potentially dangerous students. You change your gun laws. Yeah, fucking too, right? Look what happened here uh, when Thomas Hamilton went into Dunblane High School, uh, primary school, and shot all the Waynes. Scotland completely banned handguns straight away, or the UK it would have been, I think. I don't yeah. know if it was just Scotland. We banned handguns. I didn't even know we could get handguns here before that, but they were banned. One fucking bastard ruins it for everybody <laughs> because, to be honest, guns are pretty cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> alright. But, but I, I'm a pacifist. Do, but do you know what I mean? Like, like to put. Putting the putting the, the availability of guns into people's hands, you're going to get folk. Well, look at the Bolt from Columbine guns. documentary. You can buy guns in Walmart. No. And to us, the America America has shootings all the time. Have you seen that meme? It's like it's not mum, it's mom. It's and they go through all the American and kind of British words, and somebody replied to them. Yeah, it's not a shooting range. It's high school. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's. It's crazy. Honestly, it's, it's, it's they should scary. They should change their gun laws because for every 100 people that are going to use a gun for hunting or using it for like its actual purpose, there's still a, a high percentage of fucking maniacs out there that are going to... Did you see that guy? Uh, I can't remember his name. The guy that killed the black boy in Florida. Recently? Uh, like a couple of years ago. And he got off it, the guy. Uh, see, it was self-defence. He's now auctioning the gun off. Oh, I did see that. I actually read the guy was in Is that right? No. Yeah, he might have been. And it was a boxing He's basically done like a charity boxing match and that. He's a fucking. a a screwball. Aye. But did did it not, like, somebody, like, an anonymous bidder put in, like, millions for it? It's it's ridiculous. Why why would you want to buy a tool that's killed a young innocent boy? It's. America have kind of warped, or certain places in America have really warped views in. Honestly, I don't think guns should be... Air guns are different. See, if you own land or you are going to hunt, okay, have guns, but you should be able to prove it. You I can't, you can't just let these yeah, Definitely. There, need, like, there needs to be like a, a lot of rigorous evaluations and testing because he had a, psychi- a psychiatric history and, and, can still and he went one. and bought the guns and he, and he went and bought the guns in two separate places. Like that's look, When I was reading more about it, he went and bought one gun close to where he was living at the time and the second gun he went like out of town to buy it at a different place but you truly need to run checks on the person and find out he's just went and bought two separate handguns yeah, from two different places and like I mean that's that would 
Do you know there's so many suspicious parts that you think should be ringing bells and bring up flags, but it was obviously missed because you know he carried. That's it. where I'd be shit doing this because I'd buy I buy all my things off Amazon. So they'd be like, Rask boy just bought eight guns. I know, that's not, I mean, he's, never bought, he's just bought a book on how to get it to school. <laughs> I, I buy everything for Tesco. <laughs> just like, that's it. You only kind of fucking park outside it. <laughs> uh, so how many did he kill? 32? 32, he, uh, all in all, yeah. And then himself. I don't know if, the, if that's included in there. No, because he's not a person. No. Kills 32 people, he's a fucking, a nobody, he's nothing. No. Fuck him. Fuck songs, wee chill. Fuck him. Fuck him with his stupid face. So, is that it? That. There's there's a lot more information uh, and I've got a lot more stuff here. It's just all different. It's not any order. All the information I've got here. But I mean, if you're interested in, in mass murderers and different kind of killers, you can find them. Just Google the Virginia Tech massacre. Uh, you'll come up with um, his YouTube videos, uh, news reports, documentaries, and a lot of written words, including his manifesto. That's all out there. He's fucking pathetic manifesto. Pathetic. This week, Blumhouse are going to remake Halloween, but with John Carpenter on board as an executive producer. The um, I, I I've seen this headline kind of flying about Twitter today, and um, I think uh, we retweeted a couple of them uh, earlier on for our Twitter page. But I didn't get around to reading the full article. I'm just reading a lot of the comments. Is it a remake, like a complete? reboot remake or I'll read the announcement uh, just like it's unstoppable villain Michael Myers it seems that Halloween film fran- it seems the Halloween film franchise which launched in 1978 with John Carpenter's original classic and spawned seven sequels as well as a remake with its own sequel was destined to come back to life again we're thrilled to announce that Michael has found a new home at last thanks to the efforts of Blumhouse founder CEO Jason Blum Halloween franchise producer Malek Akkad Miramax and Trankus International Films who have just announced a team up of historic proportions to bring a new Halloween to the big screen. And tonight's press gallery included a surprise appearance by none other than the father of Halloween himself, John Carpenter, who took the stage to confirm that he's officially signed on to the new film as executive producer and creative consultant. So, how do you feel sound, about that? Halloween is like my favourite slasher kind of horror film. But, I enjoy a lot of the remakes. I really like the Rob Zombie version. So I'm quite interested to see what John Carpenter... And I like a lot of Blumhouse movies. Let's see, like, although Insidious was shit at the end, I still enjoyed the rest of it. I'm interested to see where they go with it. And a lot of people always say, oh my God, they're ruining the movies by remaking it. They're not. The movies still fucking exist. The original movie's still good. Yeah, it doesn't take it away. Yeah, it's a new take on it. If it's shit it's shit it doesn't make the old Halloween shit because this new one's rubbish so I'm actually quite excited about it well I that's the kind of same thought that I had when uh, the Cabin Fever news came out that um, they were remaking Cabin Fever and the chat online was was, uh, just like that everybody hating Mm -hmm. remakes Um, but I had done a little reading and found out that Eli Roth had given his original scripts to his friend who was making movies to see what a different director could make with the original script. And I thought that's a really interesting point for a filmmaking point of view. Um, so I think we're going to do an episode on that later. Yeah. Uh, so I'm interested to see the re- like the new character. Yeah. But back to Halloween. Um, 
they're going to do it on a modest budget, which right. John Carpenter has said is the way it should be. So is that like practical effects and yeah, stuff? Yeah, like, like basically they made it with fuck all, and it still it still stands the test of times now. It's still a, a creepy film. Obviously, yeah. a lot of it's all tropes now. It's all been done to death, but it's still a creepy film. So if they do it with the spirit and the kind of magic that they've done in the first one, I don't see why it shouldn't be worth a watch. Yeah, I mean the the techniques of of scaring people have changed. Like, for, like so you can watch Halloween now and not be scared. Yeah, like of it, it's a good movie. It's kind of creepy, but it's not got the same kind of terror as like say um, the Strangers had. Yeah, when I first watched that. Like a brand new kind of probably a modest budget there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if they take modern kind of cinematic techniques of of horror and put them into like an old story. Uh, so are they changing the story up is it obviously still be Michael Myers it will, st- it will still be Michael Myers because story. as you've seen with Halloween part 3 season of the witch you can't do a Halloween movie without Mike Myers or it ends up Halloween part 3 season of the witch see as a standalone movie that's a good movie it's shit and it's the only film that I've seen in my second name in the petrol station's called it Rafferty's <laughs> and I thought oh yes I'm going to love this film yes it was fucking dreadful I've never seen my second name in apart from South Park <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right, aye. Well, um... Goddamn Halloween. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. It's great, I enjoyed it. We've had some feedback this week, some good feedback, new listeners. Some new listeners, aye. It's pretty cool. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, let us know what you think on the usual mediums, which Scott will now happily divulge. Send us emails telling us totally what you think of each and every episode tell us movies that we should watch tell us where we were shite and where we were rubbish correct us on any mistakes we made and we'll try and politely accept them and uh, be humble about it don't tell us we swear too much because <laughs> we know that and it's not going to stop us um, send us your erotic fan fiction starring uh, myself and Liam we'd love to read that preferably no preferably don't <laughs> I did not want to read any fan fiction about us <laughs> Uh, you can send your emails to Scott and Liam versus Evil at hotmail dot com, and that is Scott and and spelled the, the right word Liam versus spelled V S Evil at hotmail dot com. You can get us on Facebook. Um, you can just just put in the search bar Scott and Liam versus Evil. You'll get up our Facebook page um, and the Facebook group. So join the Facebook group. We're going to have some just try to get discussions on the movies you love, movies you hate. Feel free to post your own nonsense in there. Uh, you know, yeah, pick your own stuff out. You can also get us on Twitter, which is where most of our interaction happens, and it's at Scott and Liam versus, and it's Scott and Liam vs. If you are going to do fan fiction, let's pretend this ab belt that's been strapped in all day has worked, and in the <laughs> fan fiction, discuss my rock hard abs, <laughs> my scintillating <laughs> six pack, and then I might read it. <laughs> I was so, going to say something about my rock card, something, but I just, uh, I don't want to. Fan fiction yeah, can write yeah. yourself, you know. <laughs> we won't give you ideas. So, see you guys next week. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>